becomes. I first of all want to thank you all for coming. It means the world to me that you came to support me. It's such an honor to be up here, and I pray that the Lord speaks to you through my story of how I overcame what the enemy tried to take me out with. I'm going to open up with Isaiah 43:1, and it says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I am sure everyone in this room has had chapters in your life that are full of joy, laughter, and blessings. But I also know you have had chapters you never expected nor you wanted. My story begins with heartbreak from my parents on December 29th, 1986, when I was born here in Cleveland, Tennessee. Everything was perfect for the first 24 hours, and then it was determined that I had a congenital heart defect called transposition of the great arteries, which is the two main arteries carrying blood out to your heart are switched in position, and I would need open heart surgery. I was taken to Erlanger in Chattanooga and then Vanderbilt in Nashville. And at the age of 12 weeks old, weighing only eight pounds, I had under, sorry, I underwent open heart surgery. My parents said without a doubt, it was the most fearful day of their lives. The doctors told my parents that if the surgery was successful, it was unknown if I was going to live a long life. And no matter how much life I did live, it would be restricted. I would not be able to keep up with kids my own age, and I would be on medicine for the rest of my life. Let me say I am thankful for the medical team that was placed in my life. But I am more thankful that God is God all by himself. And I'm thankful he did not follow the doctor's report. Because here I am at the age of 36. I have not lived a restricted life. I did fine keeping up with kids. And I've not been on medicine. Every day I am thankful for life. There have been times when I wondered, why didn't God just heal me? Even though the surgery was successful and I have lived a beautiful life, I still have a heart disease. But a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me this revelation. A prayer that my mom prayed over me was that the Lord would carve his name so deep in my heart that I would know that I always would belong to him. When the doctors had my little heart inside their hands, they were God's instruments. And he not only guided them which way to go, he used the doctor's very hands to carve his name in my actual heart. My heart disease reminds me of the story of Jacob in Genesis 32. Jacob wrestled with God and was left with a limp. The limp did not keep Jacob from fulfilling the calling in his life, but he was given a new name and was reminded of the promises God made over him. Just like Jacob, my heart is not a weakness, it's not a disability, but this is a constant reminder that I will always belong to him. And no matter what, he is always with me. At every cardiologist appointment, my doctor always says that my heart, if not the best, is one of the best hearts he has seen. 
And that is only because of God. So we're going to fast forward to August of 2010 when a certain gentleman named Angel Mercado started attending Harvest. He was a very handsome Puerto Rican. He was very easy on the eyes, but to be honest, he got on my nerves at first. Angel had this very outgoing personality. He was the life of the party. He never met a stranger and left people feeling better about themselves. However, I remember thinking, does this boy ever calm down? <laughs> he was always wild and always in your face. Amen. I had gotten out of a very wrong relationship. I did not want another one, but he was so patient. And we became very best friends. The very things that annoyed me about him at first were the things that I fell in love with. We started dating in May of 2011 and were married in April of 2014. He had a precious little girl, Bailey, from a previous relationship who also became a beautiful part of our story. I absolutely adore this little girl. I always tell her, you didn't grow in my belly, but you grew in my heart. She stole my heart from the first day I met her. She is now 11 years old, and I am so proud of the little woman she has become. As far as I can remember, I always loved babies. Anytime you saw me when I was younger, I was carrying around a baby, Alex Higgins. I was afraid I would never be able to have one on my own because of my heart condition. I did not know if my heart condition could handle the pregnancy or if that little baby would have the same heart condition that I have. It wasn't genetic, but I still had that fear. Well, a little over a month after we were married, after craving butter and taking four pregnancy tests, <laughs> I found out I was pregnant. And at one of the first doctor's appointments I had with the high-risk OB, he used that ultrasound machine and zoomed in on her little heart while watching her heartbeat. And he said, she does not have your condition. Her heart is perfect. I remember the tears of joy that streamed down my face because those with congenital heart diseases are usually conceived in the spring due to a virus that's in the air that gets in the mother's womb before she even knows she's pregnant. God once again reminded me that because of him, we were beating the odds. The pregnancy was pretty easy and that little baby kept my heart and blood pressure stable without any meds. But that changed on December 17, 2014, when I was hospitalized due to low fluid. Things got very scary for a few days. My oxygen dropped, my heart was struggling a little bit. There were a few times where they could not find her heartbeat. But God was always steps ahead and he was constantly reminding us that he had this. On December 23rd, a beautiful little girl named Skylar Esther entered the world. When she was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck and she wasn't crying. But after the nurses agitated her a little bit, and we all were calling her by name, she let out the most perfect cry. She is now eight years old and is absolutely perfect and full of life. She is everything I could have dreamed of and more. I didn't realize how important her name 
meant as Esther means in the Bible for such a time as this. I was living the dream. I was married and I was a mommy. Angel was working so hard that I could stay at home with both girls. There was no mar- there's no marriage or life that is perfect, but it is everything I have ever wanted. And this was a chapter of my life that was full of joy, blessings, and hope. However, on May 19th, 2017, everything changed. It was a typical day for us. I kissed my husband goodbye as he left for work. He worked in Atlanta with his best friend. My dream turned into a nightmare when I received a call that Angel was involved in a horrific car accident and was being airlifted to Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta. I remember that moment like it was yesterday. I could not catch my breath as I kept asking the officer if he could tell me anything. And all he could say was, he was alive. My mama raged for Pastor Connie to come pick me up and take me to Atlanta so that she could watch Skylar. Bailey was at school. Driving to Atlanta is ridiculous as it is, but this drive took forever. I played so many scenarios in my head, but nothing could have prepared me for what I was about to see. When I walked into the Grady's ER, I felt Holy Spirit cover me with himself. I did not know what I was about to walk in on, but I knew I was not alone. I walked into my husband's room and saw his lifeless body hooked to machines. I cannot put into words that moment felt for me. My husband was so full of life and he was always on the move. So seeing him like that was unbearable. He did not have a bruise or a scar on his body, but he had fractured his C1, which is the worst possible injury you can have. The way the doctors explained it to me was that the C1 holds your head to your spine. So therefore, angel skin was the only thing keeping his head on his body. I sat in that hospital room asking God, why? Why would you allow this to happen? You hear about these stories, but you never think it's going to happen to you. When the accident happened, there are two precious women for whom I'm forever grateful for. One woman we've been able to meet saw his wedding band and knew he had a family. She pulled Angel out of the car and began doing CPR until the paramedics arrived. The other woman who we never got to meet was praying in tongues the entire time. These two women and the paramedics gave us more time with Angel. For the next 21 days, I stood by his bedside watching him fight for his life as I fought off the doctors. I understand doctors have a job to do and they can only see what is happening on the physical, but I felt as though these doctors were vultures. We had meetings almost every day where they told me there was no hope for Angel. He had severe brain damage. A few times they tried to tell us that he may be brain dead, but the test showed otherwise. He would never live a full life anymore. He is paralyzed from the neck down and would never be able to breathe on his own. They even went and watched videos of him on social media and told us he would never be him again. I would sit in that little hospital chapel and tell God that if he wanted Angel home, he would have to take him. As I know, I was not strong nor powerful enough to hold someone else's life in my hands. But I also begged him for, to be merciful to us 
and not to take Angel home. I strongly believed he could hear us, so we would all tell him how much he was loved and wanted. We told him he would live and not die. I told him that his girls and I needed him. I would tell him that he had so much more to accomplish. He was the youth pastor at the time, and I told him the youth needed him. But even through all of this, God was still bring, using Angel's story to bring life to people. Everyone in the hospital heard about this young man fighting for his life. We would have nurses and others come to the room because they had to see him. To some, we were crazy that we kept believing for a miracle. But to others, we encouraged them to keep holding on to God as well. His name went around the world through Daystar. I never once felt alone. His family, my family, our friends and our church family came daily to be there for both Angel and I. One part of Angel's story that he has shared publicly was that he did not grow up in a good childhood. He was told several times he would never amount to anything. His adoptive parents, Pastor David and Connie, had brought so much value and healing to his life, but he constantly doubted whether he was loved or wanted. But I know in those moments, he knew he was not alone and not abandoned anymore. I know that he saw just how much he mattered to people. Even while he laid in that hospital bed unconscious, people knew the story of how God turned a broken little boy into a man of great strength. They heard how he fought for the underdog and always believed the very best in people. They heard how much he loved people and wanted them to find their purpose. But most importantly, they heard how much he loved God and wanted others to experience that same radical love that saved him. I had faith in my God that he was going to heal my husband. I begged daily for more time with him. God was so faithful. Every day he gave me the strength that I needed to make it through. When I felt like my faith was slipping or doubt was creeping in, God came in like a rushing river. He sent people my way to encourage me to keep holding on. He sent songs and scriptures to my heart to let me know that he had both Angel and I in the palm of his hands. I could tell you all the stories of how I knew God was with us, but we would never leave this building. <laughs> but I would like to share a few moments with you to hopefully encourage you. One day, we sat in that conference room with the vultures, aka the doctors. They pushed harder than ever for me to take him off life support. I was exhausted. I honestly did not think I could even hold my head up anymore. I was getting frustrated that this had become our life and that I had to be away from my girls. The meeting was a little different because they called in the chaplain and I have seen enough movies to know this is never a good thing. The doctors gave the same speech that they've given every single day, but everything shifted when they left the room. The chaplain began to read Psalm 61 2 that says, from the ends of the earth, I cry out to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He began talking about how great he used to be known for their miracles. 
And it's been a while since Grady has seen a miracle. He kept saying, Grady needs to see this miracle again. I left that room with extra strength. It gave me hope for one more day. You know, there are people that say, if you need anything, let me know and I'll be there for you. I'm so thankful for those people. But then there are people like Rhonda Deal who would not take no for an answer. We referred to her as the Christian Oprah because instead of you get a car, you get a car, she was saying, you get a coffee, you get a place to sleep, you get a coffee. She kept offering up her house for me to come and get some rest. I am an introvert. That is not something I would ever do. I do not know these people and I'm not gonna go to a stranger's house. But one morning, Holy Spirit began singing to my spirit an old worship song that I used to sing at Harvest where the chorus says, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But the part of that song goes, I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse for his promise will endure that his joy is going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. I knew God was encouraging me to go. So I told mom to tell Rhonda that I was coming. I need to give you guys this visual of what I saw. I come outside of Grady and there is this little powerhouse. She pulls up in this gigantic truck for me to get in. And I was thinking, mom, what did you get me into? <laughs> to make matters worse, we could not go on the interstate. So she started driving through the worst part of town in Atlanta. We call this the hood. <laughs> I was honestly terrified for my life. She was talking about their ministry and I was trying so hard to listen, but I was distracted thinking, okay, this is how I'm gonna go out. <laughs> We pulled up to a warehouse. Yes, an actual warehouse. And I was thinking of ways I could find an excuse to get mom to come and get me. I was thinking, this is not safe. But the moment we walked into that warehouse, you saw this gorgeous house. It was breathtaking. But the presence of God was hovering over that place. The same feeling I felt when I first walked into Grady was what I was feeling again. Holy Spirit once again wrapped himself around me and this became my very own safe house. They had all of my favorite things, Dr. Pepper, Snickers, Reese's. But the first thing I noticed was they had a picture on the wall in the bedroom that said live. And I knew I heard from Holy Spirit that I was supposed to go. There was a letter from their daughter of her praying over me. She did not know me, but she knew how the father felt about me. I will not read you all that letter. I probably can't even get through it. But one line on that letter says, give her strength for one more day, one more step, and one more breath. Let her rest tucked in your arms, safe from life's harsh reality. I slept better than I had in weeks. He was singing over me songs of peace and rest. I woke up that morning ready to face another day. 
But I guess God thought I needed another confirmation because the song that Rhonda Deal was playing in her kitchen was the exact song God had put in my heart. And you don't hear that song on the radio anymore because it's considered old. So I knew it was Holy Ghost. At that time, I had no idea what this was preparing me for. This happened on June 4th. On June 6th, all hell broke loose. The nurse pulled me into the room and told me they were doing everything they could, but this is when God needs to step in and do his miracle. Angel was no longer responding to the medications. His kidney was failing, and the doctors gave him 24 to 40 hours to live. They told us we needed to call whoever needed to come to say goodbye because this was it. Pastor Connie saw an angel in, in Angel's room and um, knew it was either coming to heal him or take him home. I knew in the physical what was going on. I wasn't dumb. I wasn't blinded by it. But I was holding on to God with everything I had that this was not how Angel was going to go out. Grace comes in the very moment you need it. I have learned through all of this that if you and I put our trust in God, his grace will show up in ways we cannot imagine just at the moment when we need it. This is exactly what happened on June 8th, 2017, when God decided it was time to take my husband home. God showed up just at the moment that I needed his strength when Angel took his last breath on earth and woke up in eternity, the peace that was in that room was indescribable. The entire 21 days, we had worship music playing in his ears. But on that day, I was playing it where everyone could hear it. It was Pastor Connie's iPod, and it was just on shuffle, random worship songs. The moment that Angel's heartbeat stopped, and he opened his eyes in heaven, this is the lyrics to the song that was playing. And with your final heartbeat, kiss this world goodbye. Then go in peace and laugh on glory's side. And fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, and live. One thing I've learned about grief is that it never goes away. As time goes on, you learn to live with it. My heart will always miss him. I never planned to live life here without him. He will never be forgotten in my life or my girls' lives. There are times earlier on when I thought, how in the world am I gonna live on this earth without Angel? Or how am I ever gonna get past this? But God would come rushing in saying, I am still more than enough. This one thing I do know that God who cares so deeply for all of us can cause all things that come into our lives together for good. I could not see the next page of my story, but I trusted the author of my story. I knew God did not forget about his daughters or me when he took Angel home. I knew he still had a plan for me, plans to give me a hope and a future. Marcus Lamb told my dad that I will love again, I will laugh again, and I will live again. I remember thinking, there is no way. I was completely content with it just being Skylar and me. 
This is when I fully learned the meaning of her name because she has brought me so much healing and I was fine with it just being us. I was not looking, nor did I even want to. However, we know that God loves writing restoration stories. On June 26, 2018, Michael Brown sent a text to his daughter, Jada, telling the leaders to slow down because we were going 99. First of all, we have not, nor have we ever gone 99 at youth camp. So if you're sending your kids to youth camp, do not worry. We do not drive 99 on the interstate. But he thought I was driving and he was trying to flirt with me. We all laugh about it now, but at the moment, there was no laughing going on. As the youth pastor, I had to handle this situation to reassure a parent their child was safe. And so I sent a text because I hate making phone calls. But that text started a beautiful friendship that took me and everyone else by surprise. The amazing thing about God is that during that youth camp, his daughter Jada and I were getting extremely close. So God had already been working on the scene to bring all of this together. You know Michael's story. He was raised here at Harvest as a youth. I was five. He had been a single parent and was devoted to Christ, trusting the Lord to complete his life in God's time and in God's way. He even told the Lord, if you want to bring me a wife, you will have to put her in front of me. I had no idea of this, and one Sunday, I literally sat right in front of him at church. We were married on May 4th, 2019, and I can truly say he is a gift to Skylar and me in every way. Before Michael, I can get this. Before Michael came into the picture, my heart ached for Skylar. Bailey has an incredible bonus dad, but I feared that Skylar would miss out on having dad and daughter moments. But God answered that prayer when he sent me Michael. Michael works hard at keeping Angel alive for Skylar. One statement he has said from the very beginning is that they are both learning about Angel together. He does little things to remind her of Angel, and I am so thankful God sent me a man who is not threatened by Angel or does not try to replace him, but makes sure that Angel is forever entwined into our story as well. People call Michael the Courtney Whisperer, yes. but he really is. He gets me in ways that I never thought were possible. A lot of the time, if not most, he knows what I'm thinking before I say a word. The Lord has used Michael to help continue my healing, and I am so thankful that God knew what scholar I needed when he gave us both Michael and Jada. God always redeems our deepest pain. And he always restores in his time. It'll be better than we could ever imagine if we commit our lives to him. My hope is that by hearing my story, you will see just how God has all of us in the palm of his hands. He knows our names. 
And no matter what circumstances you face today, I hope you will be encouraged to trust him to write your story. Faith is never wasted. The faith that I used to believe for my husband is the faith that carried me on the day that he passed from this life to the next. And that same faith is what is carrying me now. The faith you place in God will never be wasted. It will carry you too. In closing, I would like to read Habakkuk 3.19 over you today for whatever impossible situation you are facing right now. The Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, my invincible army. He makes my feet strong that I will not stand still in terror, but I will make progress every day and he will take me safely over each and every mountain. Thank you for letting me share my story with you.